All of these things, Father, are motivated by your love for us. Father, we thank you. Thank you for being good to us. Lord, we give you all praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God as the Lord, our healer. Amen. He is our healer. Amen. He's, you know, he's been our healer ever since he's been. Amen. He's never not been our healer. But uh, it's just taken the church the last hundred years or so to get that revelation. Amen. Uh, you know, in fact, when we started healing school back in 2015, I had a Pentecostal fellow come up to me after a few services and said, you really believe God always heals, that his desire is always to heal every single time? Uh, I said, absolutely. Every single time, without exception, God's desire is to heal. Sometimes he's constrained to doing that, but to his desire is always to heal. And he kind of left and shook his head and said, I'm just going to think about that. And I thought, you know, that's just amazing, right? He may still be thinking about that. I don't know. But uh, praise God, he's our healer. Amen. Uh, well, let's give a big warm welcome to Brother Randall Greer. God is with us. He's alive. If you will, open your Bibles to James chapter 5. Since you took the time to come, and I came too. Anybody ever read in James chapter 5? In healing school, you ever read about James chapter 5? James chapter 5, verse number 13. This is healing school. So what we do is we're talking about healing and looking at what the Word says in relation to healing. And of course, not the whole Bible on healing, but just a few scriptures. If you want the whole Bible on healing, you'll have to come to Dr. Chip and and he's got a bunch of scriptures <laughs> that will assist you. But in James chapter 5, verse number 13, said, Is any among you afflicted? That's a question. Is any among you afflicted? <laughs> Is any among you afflicted? He's having to ask the question. He's wondering if anybody is. I wonder why he has to ask the question. You reckon? Said, let him pray. It says, is any Mary or Mary, let him sing psalms. Says, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And according to what the Bible says, and Dr. Chip just told us, the prayer of faith shall which means will save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. It says the prayer of faith, verse 15, shall save, heal, make whole the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Notice how it ties uh, about forgiveness, obedience in relation to healing and health in this verse. You know what I mean? And it says here in this verse, do we need to read it again? Kind of looking at me funny. 
The prayer of faith shall save, heal, make whole the sick. That's what that means. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins or sin has brought it on him, they shall be forgiven him. And notice it didn't say one sin. It said sins. So sin all you want to. <laughs> it said sins. So make sure you get all your share in, you know. But notice what it says there. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, plural, more than one, they shall be forgiven him. Not all the time, but sometimes, well, the disobedience can bring us to this place. That it's not that God is putting something on us. It's that they, we're just not in the right place that we should be with God. And I know from my own personal life, and personal experience, as well as Bible experience here, that those things can happen. There's more to healing that uh, we've discovered than just uh, having faith. There's sometimes other things involved in your healing taking place in your physical body than just claiming it or knowing what the scriptures say. And... Dr. Hagen, Dad Hagen, we call him Dad Hagen as a term of endearment, Reverend Kenneth Irwin Hagen. He would, he would tell us about going out and preaching when we was in his classes at Raymond, when I was in his, what they call faith library class. He said, you've got to go out when you're preaching in crusades and meetings, not in a local church. A local church setting is different, you understand, than a crusade. Or even my meetings, my meetings does not take the place of a local church. You understand that. There's different things that will happen there. And if people don't understand that, you can get all messed up. But Brother Hagin used to tell us this. He said, when you go out and you preach in a crusade, a healing meeting, or, or anything like that, he said, you've got to act like that you're going to get every person in the building healed. Now, don't fall out of your seat. But he said, you ain't. You're not. He said, when you're going out preaching salvation to the world, the multitudes, he said, you've got to act like you're going to get everybody you preach to saved, but you're not. He talked about these things and, and other things too, but he, of course when he said that, you know, you want to fall out of your chair because he's a faith man. And it seems like a contradiction uh, of terms if you've got to act like you're going to get everybody healed, but you're not. But what he was talking about and alluding to was this. Sometimes there's other requirements in people's lives than just believing God. Yes, you believe God, but there's other things that go along with healing in your physical body. Like, for instance, if you're constantly stressed out, tricks on you and depressed and stressed out, you're eventually going to have physical problems. And it's not even going to be the devil putting them on you. He may help you get there. And God is trying to bring healing to you, but as long as you overstress your physical body, you know what's going to happen? Sickness and disease is eventually going to set up. You know, there's vehicles out here, and as far as I can tell, I don't see no Teslas out here. Or Volkswagens. Bugs, Volkswagen bugs. Bugs, bugs, bugs. Beetle bugs. All these cars out here have radiators in them. Radiators hold water. If you start that car out there, one of those cars that has a radiator on it, and you don't have water in that radiator, it will run. 
and it will run probably for a while. This is according to how cool it is out there. But after a while, that thing is going to stop because the engine has been overheated, overstressed. For instance, I got what I call my luxury car. My wife will remember this. My luxury car, which is a 2010 Grand Cherokee Jeep that I bought for little or nothing. And uh, just fix it up. Well, I was driving that thing, and it's got a little bit of everything on it. It had high mileage, and most people run from it, but I don't. I'm old shade tree mechanic, and I crawled up under it and looked to see if somebody put a new engine in it. Somebody rebuilt the bottom end of it. Somebody put a new transmission in it. And see, everybody said, oh, it's got a bunch of miles. Well, what have they done to it? You got a bunch of miles on you. <laughs> but what have you done to you? So anyway, we loaded this thing up. We'd come in off a trip in an airplane, right? We loaded our luggage up, and we was headed home from Claremore Airport, where our hangar's at, to Owasso. And some of you here know where that was. And we're headed across there. When I got down to uh, Claremore, you have to turn the quick trip. Y'all remember where that's at? The quick trip, Brother Bill, you know where it's at. You turn by the quick trip there, Mr. you know where the quick trip is there. And you go out on the interstate. You know, you go through that little gate, and you pay a toll. You know, the Indians believe in toll roads in Oklahoma. I can guarantee you right now, you're going to travel in their territory, you're going to pay them for it. And they're going to build another one in Tulsa. I just read it the other day. I was telling my wife that it popped up, and they're building another one to get your money. So when I come out on that thing, onto the interstate, you know, it had this Hemi engine in there. You ladies may know what he means. Anyway, I just put the gas on down because when you're merging with traffic, don't be like Delora, Patty's sister. Delora will come out there on the doggone interstate. The inner speed limit is 75 miles an hour. And she'll come off the exit ramp at 35. You know, I said, Delora, go on. Like, well, God, these people are right here, they're going somewhere. What do you are not? She called me the other day. I got stopped by the popo. And I said, yeah, I know what for. Don't even tell me. You pulled out too slow. Yeah. <laughs> you going to get somebody hurt? When I pull out into speeding traffic, don't stop. I go on. Listen, don't pull out and stop and speed in traffic. Them fools will run over you out there. And a lot of people trust, trust their brakes a whole lot more than they should. Because I watch y'all. Y'all come running up on them doggone stop signs. You're going 40 miles an hour. Try to stop right there. And your front end sticks halfway out in the road. Just wait when them brake lines busted. I busted a brake line one time. I know what happened. Still got brakes on one end of the car. Thank God they've modernized them, but the old ones didn't. Anyway, I showered down on that Hemi, and I come out on the 44. When I put down, down the foot feed to go home, all of a sudden, pop, we heard something, and I thought, well, what is that? Remember that? We both wondered, what is that? What, what's going on here? You know what I looked around, looked at the gauges and everything. I kept going. Went down this road. I went down that road, went down that road. Remember, I turned down on 266. Y'all remember off of, two, off of Interstate 44? I turned right on 266, and that'll take you over to 169. Yeah, 169. It'll take you by there. There and of course we've done gone from the time that thing busted to the time that thing stopped because it did stop. It was about what 
12 to 15 miles. That car run perfect for 12 to 15 miles. It had busted a heater hose. And, all, and that's what the explosion was. Boom! Just old hose, you know. Boom! Because it said I put brand new hoses. It cost 2,000 bucks to put hoses on this thing. Because of the way this Hemi engine is, and it's got goes under and over and top, beside there and under, yonder, through the dash, pocket out this way, sticks out to you, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's amazing what them things have got on them. But anyway, it run perfectly flying, run just like any good car, and I come to a stop sign there on 76th Street, also known as 2nd Avenue. Y'all know that in Owasso? And all of a sudden, the car quit. Well, it went, I tried to start it, boom. I knocked her in neutral, and I rolled back down off the side, got out, open hood, smoke's going everywhere. <laughs> I didn't outrun the smoke all that other time, you know what I mean? How's it going? But my hood is going everywhere. And what had happened is I had busted a, a heater hose on that car. Well, the heater hose is what comes from the radiator through your engine and then back around through the radiator and it's got a fan you know in the front of your engine and that fan cools that water down and runs it back through your engine and what does it do it cools that engine down because if you don't you run hot so what happened is the engine ran so hot that it actually quit because I had overstressed it isn't that right so it don't do me no good to try to make the engine go until I repair it isn't that right because the engine needs healing. <laughs> but, but the only way you're going to heal it is repair it. Get it out from under the stressful situation. And I did. Thank God it didn't warp the valves. Because sometimes Bill, it'll blow a head gasket too, you know. Warp ahead, Brother Bill. I see him shaking his head. He knows what I'm talking about. But I was just thinking, oh, Lord, I didn't ruin this engine. But I got a roll back truck, you know. In fact, we called Delora, Patty's sister. She, was at, she works for Amazon. And she was sitting in the parking lot to get her a good parking space, you know, where she could get in. You know, <laughs> you probably talked to her many times sitting there, Miss Trudy. But anyway, we called her. Said, where are you at? We're sitting there in the parking. Come get us. We're right over here. So we're not far from her. She come get us, took us home. And I called the record company. And they come with a roll back and took it back to the airport for me. I rode with him. Or I, no, I drove my own vehicle. And he uh, dropped it off there at the airport. And then later we fixed it. But... You know, I could have believed God all I wanted to for that car to run. But until I repair what's wrong with it, it's not going to run. It's, it may run just a short distance, especially with no water in it. Because it took a while for it to blow all of it out, you know, and get it all out of there. But that, and that's the way you are in your physical body. If you constantly stress your body or do something to your body or, or not do something right to your body, eventually over time, you're going to blow a fuse or blow a hose. You know what I mean? And it ain't going to be devil, the devil's fault, God's fault, or anybody's fault. It's going to wind up being that you didn't put yourself in the right position to receive healing in your body. Now, having said all that, let's say this. God is merciful. Isn't that right? Yeah. And God will help us if we cry. Amen. And God will forgive us. You know, if we make a mistake or do something wrong, thank God that He will. But one of the things that I would do is I'd start examining to make sure that I wasn't overstressing myself, that I was doing the right things, and, you know, as far as your physical body goes, and try to be as healthy as you can, you know. And I think you could go overboard with that, you know. But at the same time, there's a balance to everything. So we know this, that uh, this, this healing 
that takes place here, we could see that you can bring it sometimes on yourself. I mean, sickness can actually, you can bring it on by doing things that you shouldn't do. I remember this, uh, Brother Hagin also was in a situation before. And of course, to get on his level of disobedience, I mean, you have to grow a whole lot. You know what I mean? And of course, Brother Hagin was held to a, lot, a higher standard than the regular people because of his calling. You know what I mean? That don't mean that we're not at all held to higher standards. But uh, he couldn't afford little bits of disobedience. In fact, he was known for not criticizing people or saying anything against anybody. He's got me beat. You know what I mean? But I've tried to follow him. He said uh, that he had been criticized uh, by experts. And he said, I'm not going to bother with no little spurt. You know what I mean? But he had been criticized by experts, and he had. If you pull up his name on the Internet anywhere, and I don't say you should, but if you pull it up, they'll talk about he's a devil and got a devil tongue. I mean, just all kind of stuff. But, you know, he never responded to people. He had one of the guys that come out of Divorce of Healings with him, and he told us about this, you know. A guy that has passed away in, in recent times, or not recent, on, on back some, but come with him out of Divorce of Healings that had been a good man, but he had got into error and uh, doctrinal truths that he'd really gone way off on. And he'd come to uh, Dad Hagen and wanted Dad Hagen to, you know, uh, promote him in the ministry so he could get more meetings and things like that. And Dad Hagen didn't agree to do that. He didn't tell him why or anything. But anyway, the man went off on him and cussed him out. The preacher. You know what cussing out means? Y'all in Tennessee, ain't you? You know what that means? Cussed him out. And Dad Hagen never said a word. He said, now, if some of you young boys, that's what he called us, had been there, he said, y'all have whooped him right there. You know what I mean? Because the way he talked to me. And he said, I felt like doing it. You know, one time, a tire tool hit a man with it. <laughs> but he didn't. So he realized that even though people criticized him and attacked him, and he didn't say anything out of the way to the men, he just didn't go along with it and didn't get into a long theological discussion about it because he knew the guy would not accept it. Then the man got mad at him. So the Lord had helped him to walk in longevity in his life. But there were times that he actually got in disobedience. You know, when he first went out in ministry uh, earlier on, he got out there and he started to get concerned because he'd left the best church he had ever pastored. And he was living in the nicest home he'd ever lived in, wearing the best clothes he'd ever had, and his family and children too, you know. Not talking disrespectful about uh, Pastor Hagen today and, and Reverend uh, Pat Hagen, uh, Pat uh, Harrison today. You know, Buddy, her husband, passed away. But anyway, they had had the best that they ever had. And the Lord spoke to him and told him to go out on the road that he was hadn't called him to pastor to begin with. And so all these times that he was been pastoring for many years that he had been in training for the ministry he had called him to. And of course, he learned a lot in that pastoral position. And so when he got out there, though, he just thought the price was too great. You know, he missed his family, missed his children, like, you know, would be normal and common. And then even Mom Hagen, Miss Aretha Hagen, his wife, she got disgruntled. And you could tell 
uh, from the conversation and the way he taught about it and read about it. And she's got a book too called uh, the God's Grace Price is Not Greater Than His Grace, something like that. And, and, it, and it talks about that and the price that she paid. But she would grumble too because she was having to raise both of the kids and take care of all the stuff at home because he'd be gone on the road, you know, three, four, five, six, eight weeks, sometimes nine weeks at a time and never even see them. And this is in the days of driving cars, you know, not flying airplanes because people didn't have the money. Making a long distance phone call was almost unheard of because it cost so much money. They would call on the phone rarely, but most of the time they would write letters, you know, mail back and forth, and that's how they communicated it, back and forth. And so not only did he get to missing his family and his wife, she got to complaining to him, you know, uh, I'm here by myself and you're out there going running and ripping. I'm not saying she said it that way. But you're out there running and ripping and doing this and having this good time or whatever. And I'm here having to do this and having to do that and having to do this, having to take care of the kids, having to get them off school, having to pay all the bills, having to do this, having to take care of the house around here and the grass around here, all that kind of stuff. And, and then you're out there on the road, you know, and he said, you're right, you know, that I'm just paraphrasing here. You're right, honey, I, oh, I dismiss you and I love you and I want to be there and I want to help you. I never wanted to be out here to start with or anything, and you know, she was standing there one day, you know, grumbling and grappling, she was washing the dishes, you know, after she fed the kids, you know, and she was looking out the kitchen window, you know, that's the way it used to be, you know, nowadays they got these things, you just push these buttons on and get out of their way, and they start jumping around and throw them dishes around in them and all that stuff, but back in those days, they didn't have all that, she's looking out the kitchen window, and she was just grumbling about uh, Dad Hagen, her husband hadn't been gone, you know, He's gone, you know, oh, this complaining and grumbling and grappling. All of a sudden, she heard a voice. Said, I could take him where he would never come back. And it shocked her so. She stopped washing the dishes. She walked through the house. She thought somebody would come in there. She didn't know what it was. All she knew, she just heard that voice. But she didn't know what it was. Never dawned on her. It might be God. Never did. So after a while, between her complaining and Brother Hagin getting tired of traveling because it was job. You, you think traveling is fun. You've done it. How you say Japanese? Ni hao? No, that's uh, Chinese. <laughs> but after a while, you like being at home. You know what I mean? So Dad Hagin decided... Between him and her making the decision, I'm coming off the road. I'm going back to pastoring. So he contacted this church that needed a pastor. And again, I'm paraphrasing just so you can understand the story. And this church had offered him to pastor. It'd be making the most money he'd ever made in his life, the best house he'd ever lived in, he even furnished a pastor with a car, nice one too. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And they decided they're coming off the road. And so he started counseling these meetings. Some of the ones that were close up, he couldn't counsel. And so he, he was home. He had one uh, uh, more meeting to preach before he would fully come off the road and accept the pastor of another church. So he was visiting a pastor that he knew in this town with his wife. And they, he was, his wife was in the ladies' Sunday school room. That's the way it used to be. Y'all remember that? Church of God. I know it was. And Assemblies of God. My wife went to Church of God, Mr. Bill, Miss Trudy, they went to Church of God. They, they had the ladies' class and the little girls' class, the little boys' class. That's what it used to be, you know. 
That's the way it was in the assemblies too where I come up as a little boy. But anyway, she's in another class and he's out there in the men's class. And the pastor of the church knew him very well said, Brother Hagin, why don't you teach this morning, you know? Brother Hagin said he just despised it because you had to teach the periodical. You know, they used to pass out the little books. <laughs> yeah, I remember the little books. And it'd be a lesson for a quarter. And you'd preach that lesson. Everybody in the whole, you know, Church of God throughout the United States and around the world would get that little book. Everybody would be on the same page, same message and all that stuff. He said, no, you just, you just teach it this morning. So anyway, he got up there and, and, and was teaching. And I think it was a, the message that morning was, well, wasn't it on, uh, wasn't it, uh, was it Saul or Moses' disobedience? One of the two of them. It was their disobedience. And Brother Hagin said he qualified to hear that message. Because as he was sitting on the front row and the pastor was teaching that Sunday school message, suddenly his heart stopped. No prior warning, no hippity hop, no skipping, didn't blow a hose, nothing. Boom! And he fell off of that bench, a wooden pew, they called him. Pew! If you ever sit on one, you know what they call it. Pew! You know? And he fell out in the floor. And he would have hit his face, his nose, right flat on the floor, but he got his hand up to catch it before he didn't. When he fell out, there was another preacher friend of his there, and the pastor, they come running to him. And he says, my heart, it's my heart. So they got him up, you know, and they took him over to the, the pastor's house, which is a parsonage beside the church. And they laid him on the bed. And they, he said, feel of my heart, feel of my heart. And they, they fell of his heart and tried to listen. There was no heartbeat. And they started crying and squalling. You know, he's going to die. He's going to die. He's going to die. He said he didn't know why, but all of a sudden he had this sense that his wife needed to be there with him. He said, run, get my wife. So the other preacher, not the pastor, the other preacher shot out of that room like a shot and went to the classroom and opened the door. While he was opening the door, Miss Hagen, his wife, already sensed something was going. She was grabbing her stuff to get up and come out. She didn't know what was wrong, but something was wrong. So he told her, come quick, come quick. Your husband's laying over here in the bed having a heart attack or something. So she run, and as soon as she ran in that room, Brother Hagin was already repenting because he knew what he had done. He had disobeyed God. God didn't tell him to come off the road. He's the one that made the decision to go off the road. He said, the price is too great. I'm not going to do it. And it opened the door to the devil. It wasn't God doing it to him. The devil saw an opportunity to kill him, to take him out and do, do harm to him and his wife and the family and everybody. And to the message that he would have for the body of Christ. And so as soon as she seen him laying on that bed, she fell down beside that bed on her knees and started crying out to God. His wife did. said, oh God, I realize now that day I was washing them dishes. That was your voice that spoke to me and said I could take him where he'd never come back. said, dear Father God, said, if you'll let my husband live, I'll never complain another day in my life. I'll never grumble. I'll never gripe. I said, Lord, I'll do your will. Lord, I commit to do your will. And Brother Hagin said when she made that commitment and dedication, he made that commitment and dedication. He said, Lord, I'll do your will. I'll not complain. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do, Lord. I thank you for healing my body. He said, all of a sudden, the power of God hit him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He jumped up off that bed and danced all through the house, totally healed. So there were qualifications to him receiving his healing. You understand? There were qualifications. Now, he was in disobedience, but let's balance this out. 
That doesn't mean because you've been attacked with sickness and disease or I've been attacked with sickness and disease uh, that I'm in disobedience. A devil that wants to kill you just because he don't like you. You know what I mean? And also, inherently, because of the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, sickness and disease has come in this world through sin. And so it's out here everywhere. You know what I mean? And we may come sub be subject to come into contact with it. So it don't necessarily mean you've got to be in sin or doing something wrong in order for you to have sickness and disease attack with it. So don't let the devil beat you over the head with that. But we're just speaking on one side of this. We need to examine ourselves just to make sure that we are walking in God's will. That we are Not fault fighting with ourselves, but just examine ourselves to make sure things are working like they should. Now, there was a minister back years ago, going on back further, that uh, his name was, and because Brother Hagin publicly calls his name, I'm going to call it not to talk disparagingly, but to learn, because we're in healing. His name was Jack Coe. I believe Jack Coe, he died at, what, 38? I think it was 38 years old. Now, this is what Brother Hagin said about Jack Coe. He come out of the, the voice of healing days. Listen, I'm not talking disparagingly about Mr. Jack Coe. I couldn't even hold a candle for him to see by, so to speak, in the Spirit. He was mightily used of God, anointed of God, came out of the voice of healing, and he's in heaven today. And so when you get there, you're going to see him. And if you go up there and you tell him, I heard... Yeah, I'm going to tell him Dr. Chip put me up to it. That's what I'm... Because he's the one that... I'm not going to take it because he was a big old fellow. But... The Lord had talked to Dad Hagen about Reverend Jack Coe. Now, this is what Brother Hagen said about Reverend Jack Coe. And Brother Hagen was not a man to exaggerate at all. He thought exaggerating was lying. And that's what Brother Hagen said. But he, but, uh, he said this about Jack Coe. He said miracles in his life as he did in Jack Coe's ministry. The deaf and dumb would hear immediately. People with backs that was just totally out, all bent over. He would grab them by the shoulders, put his knee in his back, and pull them straight. Jack Cole would do this. They got videos, some videos of this. Brother Hagin said, I believe he was sitting in one meeting with Jack Cole, and I think there was 18 deaf and dumb children. You remember this? About 18, don't quote me on the number, just right in there. When he laid hands on them, every one of them, his tongue was set free and they could immediately hear. But what would happen with Mr. Coe, Jack Coe, talk about sickness and disease, polio was very rampant in that day. And many, many people that was all mangled, the little babies that were born and contracted polio and they had to get in braces and everything, he would take them in his arms and then bones would pop. And then braces come off and the little babies run all over the place. Miracles happen. But what happened is he started to getting over into more about money. And he would stop and take up an offering in, in the middle of this and play on people's emotion. There's nothing wrong with taking an offering, don't get me wrong. But he started putting money ahead of God. And he wanted it to be the greatest thing since sliced bread or fried ice cream. He tried to compete with Brother Oral Roberts. In fact, what he done, he went and measured him and some of his people. about this? 
measured Brother Robert's tent so he could build one a little bit bigger, have one built bigger than his, so he'd have the bragging right to say he had the largest tent in the world. And he did. Well, now me and you are saying, why? Well, don't you think that that's not opening the door to the devil? Don't you think that's not opening the door to the devil? Because what you're doing is you're getting into pride. See, the more God used him, the more he let it go to his head. And then the Lord told Dad Hagen, he said, you go talk to him. And he said, tell him he needs to judge himself in three areas. Remember what, it, what was one of them? was food. He said, judge yourself on his diet. Number two, walking in love with brethren. And number three, wasn't it money? Money. And Dad Hagen never got to talk to him. And the reason he didn't, because he thought, well, he was so, you know, get mad at people. He thought he'd knock him in the head. <laughs> and so before he could get to him, somebody else come up. So he used that as an excuse to leave. But he had seen many people healed of this polio and everything. But do you know that he died, what they call it, with polio? Was it bull bar or something? What did they call it? Bull bar or something like that. Polio, which is the worst you can get. He actually got it himself. And at 38 years old, he died. Now, did God do it to him? No, God didn't do it. Dr. Chip has taught us very well through the word that God is a healing God. It's always God's will that we be healed. But when we continually violate the principles of God over a period of time, then we put ourselves in a position that it opens the door to the enemy. And so we need to examine ourselves. Remember, I'm just teaching one side of this. There's another side. There's a balance to everything. It doesn't mean that just because you deal with an issue that you're, you're sin or anything like that. But another thing that uh, Jack Coe did is he told some of his buddies and other people that I'm going to build a church right here in this great city, or this city he was in, you know. They said, where are you going to get your church members? He said, all them other full gospel church, I'm going to get them out of there because I'm so popular. And he done it. And he emptied out, totally emptied out, but he emptied out most of the churches. Because he stole, he was a sheep thief. You know what a sheep thief is? You go to the man's pasture and you take his sheep and he don't belong to you. Isn't that right? And because of his popularity and notoriety, then uh, he, he started getting church members from other churches that other pastors had, had taken care of him and watched over him. And he was an evangelist. He wasn't even a pastor. He started this uh, evangelistic center or something, you know. But anyway, died at 38. But God did not kill him, and that doesn't mean that he went to hell. You understand that? That doesn't mean that he went to hell. When you get to heaven, you'll see. I said you'll see. Because that's how much God's mercy reaches. And God did not kill him. God did not put the polio on him. But I think he called it bull bar, boom, boom bar, or something. I don't know. Polio. Anyway, it mangled your body up, you know. And he died that way. Because he put himself in position that that disease, the enemy took that disease and took him out. It wasn't God that put it on him. A.A. A. Allen. Everybody heard of A.A. A. Allen? Come out of Happy Valley? 
Randall flies into Phoenix at, in Arizona a lot, Deer Valley, and sometimes he goes out to Happy Valley. I said, you know, brother, son, that's where A.A. Allen is from. I said, go to Happy Valley and get some dirt on you. Because <laughs> he was anointed of God. But he got in disobedience. And I'm not belittling him. He's in heaven today. That's my belief. My belief. You listen to Dr. Chip. Even though he got, he got in disobedience, but it's so notable miracles. Brother Shambach. Y'all ever heard of Brother Shambach? Yeah. He said, you ain't got no problems. All you need is faith in God. My God. <laughs> Brother Shambach. He come out of the tent revivals with A.A. Allen. He used to be his right-hand man. Brother Allen, used of God, mightily used of God. But he died prematurely. I mean, he'd done some things to help speed it all up, and I'll not get into all that. But anyway, he got into disobedience. But anyway, he had this vision one time, A.A. Allen. And in this vision, while he was standing up under this big tent, I mean, people come from everywhere. Healings, miracles, my Lord. What happened? And A.A. Allen was up there. He said, stop. And he said, up, up, up. Yep, there it is. There it is. There's a lady. at such and such a street, such and such a house, such and such a road. Over here in such and such a state and such a city. I see you getting in that car. You driving down this road. You're coming down this way. In fact, you're in this tent tonight. He said, you've got a child in your arms that's got 26 different diseases. If that's you in this building, get up and come up to the front. This little lady got up with this mangled baby, eyes all crossed in its head, its tongue sticking out of its mouth, and little bitty arms not formed, all contorted in its legs, its body like this, and its belly all swole up. He said, There's no hope for this baby. It's a baby. And mama's. Crying out to God for that baby. And so he got the baby, put it in his arms. He said, close your eyes, audience. That's what A.A. Allen said. And pray. Brother Shambach said, I was standing there and I got to close <laughs> My God, I done seen what had happened. I don't know if you heard Brother Shambach say it or not. He said, I, he can tell it a lot better than I can. He said, I wouldn't go close my eyes. He said, but he began to pray. And he said, I heard bones popping like you'd shoot a shotgun. And he saw that tongue that was hanging out of that baby's mouth all down inside. Shroop, go back in. His eyes that were crossed come back out. His ears that were deformed go back out. And all of a sudden, that baby was sat down on the platform and took off running. 26 diseases healed before everybody. On camera. Healed. But the man that was used to do that died prematurely. And it wasn't that God killed him. We got a devil out here, and that's what I'm trying to warn you about. We don't have to be afraid, but we got a devil that don't want the gospel to go forward. The devil don't want us to have the will of God. So if he can't push you off one way, he'll try to get you the other way. But if you'll walk with God and walk with the Holy Ghost and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be ahead of the devil every single day of your life. He will not deceive you and he will not take you out early, but you will live your life out fully.
Is that all right with you? <laughs> God didn't put sickness and disease on A.A. A. Allen. Reverend A.A. A. Allen. He had some problems. He had some weaknesses in his life. Alcohol, even drugs and, and things like that. Some equate it to his high schedule and things like that. You know, that, that happened. But whether either are, he opened himself up to the enemy. The enemy took him out. Now, I believe he's in heaven today. And when you get there, you're going to see him. If you make it there before I do, don't go say, well, Brother Randy was talking about you because he comes to talk to me. I'm going to say, no, Dr. Chip done it. <laughs> he's going to put me up to it. He's wanting me to talk about healing. So again, remember, we're preaching just one side of healing. I'm not talking about the other side, in a sense, even though we mention it every now and then. I'm talking about in the sense that we are to examine ourselves and see how we're walking. Because I'll tell you this, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever shared this. I don't know if I should share it now. Some things you know, but some things you just don't need to share. But I've been knowing this since 2005. I don't say this in pride. I mean, it's just the Lord. People were attacked physically in the church in 2005 because judgment came. And many people have never recovered from that because there's adjustments that they got to make in order for the recovery to take place. Brother Higgins said this. Now, he didn't say what I'm saying. He said it was coming. In the year of... Uh, 2003, February 2003. He got up to speak on a Wednesday night at what they call Winter Bible Seminar. And when he got up to speak, he started to talk and he couldn't speak in English correctly. He could say a few words and he'd start speaking in tongues. And so he grabbed a hold to the podium, the pulpit, and he said to turn back to Rich King, you know, that's the gentleman that traveled with him, and turn back to Rich. He said, bring me a chair. Bring me a chair. He said, I got to sit down because I'm about to fall down because the anointing came. He said, the anointing had only happened to him about three times in his entire ministry up till that time. Had never happened to him. So he sat down. He said, everybody pray. And we all did. We all began to pray in other tongues. You can go back. You can get the recording. Just look at Winter Bible Seminar 2003 and research some of that. I believe it was on the Wednesday night service. In there, I believe it was, but it's on one of them services. <laughs> it's on there, and he said, "Let's pray." So he prayed in the spirit, in other tongues. He did too, and everybody was getting after it, you know, for probably twenty-five minutes. And then he began to speak in English. I began to prophesy. Now, my opinion. You ready for my opinion? Doctor Chip, he's got the these and thousands in, in the in betweens. I believe. And I believe, Brother Hagin believes this too, that he was interpreting in English what he said in tongues for 20 to 25 minutes. This is what he talked about. He talked about several things, and then he got back into prophecy again. And he started seeing to the future. <clears throat> and he started seeing about 2003, 2004, 2005, and 2006. Do you remember this? I'm reminding you of 2005. That's what I want to bring your attention. 
when he got to 2005, he said, what about 2005? And again, I'm just giving you the gist of what he said, not word for word. You can go back and listen to it. But the gist, he said, well, what about 2005? And when he said those words, he let out a cry, like a sorrow, a cry of sorrow. That's just the way he sounded. Oh, my, oh, my, 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 Judgment, 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 he said, is coming. It's coming on the national realm. It's coming on the family realm. And it's coming on the individual realm. My, 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 judgment. 2005 is a year of judgment. And then he went on to 2006. But in 2005, judgment, what is that? Many people think that God, that judgment, God judging people is punishment, but it is not. Judgment is not punishment. It is God's mercy and grace in action. That's what it is. God only allows things to happen in our life. It doesn't mean He does them. He permits things to happen. But like, for instance, one time Brother Hagin cracked his elbow, messed up his elbow. And he told Brother Hagin, I did not do this. He said, I permitted it or I allowed it, but I didn't do it. He said, the devil did. And remember, he told him, he said, you better be glad I've allowed this to happen because if I had not allowed this to happen to get your attention, you would have not lived past the age of 55 years old. That's what he told him. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. And of course, he did get his attention. He did repent. And then, of course, Ramah started when he was 57 years old. So there'd never been a Ramah Bible Training Center if he had, had not gotten his attention. So many times when we think of judgment, we think of punishment and cruelty and pitchforks and God thinking people in hell. It has nothing to do with that. The judgment of God is actually the mercy and grace of God in action. It's the last recourse of God trying to get your attention. So in 2005, God had to withdraw Himself from the body of Christ as a whole. And if you had a gap in there somewhere... The enemy snuck in. And many people were attacked with sickness and disease in 2005 that they've never gotten rid of till this day. Because that was allowed to happen. Why? Because in order to do that, you've got to judge yourself. And that don't mean you're doing anything wrong. Get what I mean? If you're not doing anything wrong, forget it. But if you need to make some adjustments, make some adjustments. So there's another side to healing. Yes, we believe this word. We stand upon every truth in this Bible. We claim it. We confess it. We pray it. But at the same time, if there's adjustments that I need to make in my life, which there are, then I need to make those adjustments and then those promises will be true in my life. And it's not God withholding from me. It's the devil that's standing between me and the promise. And until I move that devil or move myself or move whatever the problem is, the promise is not going to be real in my life. So how many is healed today? By faith, we claim it. Amen. By faith, it belongs to us. By faith, the victory is ours. So you're not going to leave this meeting today discouraged, are you? But you're going to think deeply, aren't you? 
Oh my, oh my, oh God, oh God. Because I've told these stories. And remember this now, I'm not telling you just because I thought this up. This come out of my mouth prophetically. I mean, most people don't understand how that works. They think that you've got to prophesy everybody to be a prophet. No, that's not the way it is. You're speaking for the mind of God at the spur of the moment. That's what you're doing. Because I sure didn't plan on saying any of this that I've said at all. But I was just led by the Lord to go in this direction. But again, there's another side. There's another side to believing and standing where you're not doing anything wrong, but the devil just doing everything he can. Try to take you out. And that's when you keep standing, keep believing, keep trusting God, and you come out on top. Amen? Victory is yours. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke every evil work in the name of Jesus off of every person under the sound of my voice. And I command it to leave them alone right now. And Father, I thank you for the healing power of God that's flowing through them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And I thank you for victory in every single area of their life. And Father, we're careful to give you the glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now don't go away from this place today thinking that I can never be healed because I'm not perfect. I did not say that. If all our healing was based on our perfection, we're all in trouble. Your perfection is not based on you, it's based on Jesus. Know who you are in Christ, do what you know to do, and that's all that's required of you. You don't have to go looking for a booger under every bush. You don't have to be bush booger hunting. Do you know what I mean? I'm not telling you to do that. You go forth in faith because God's with you and He loves you. And He'll watch over and take care of you. I'm going to turn it to Dr. Chip. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. So if you're not involved in sin, can you get your healing? That was kind of weak there. If you're not involved in sin, can you? Well, sure, you can get your healing. If you're involved in sin, can you get forgiven? And then can you get your healing? So either way, you can get your healing. Amen. You just may have one more step than the other guy, right? Uh, and so that's the hope that you can always have. Amen. God's not withholding healing based upon your good works or bad works, you know, and you don't earn your healing if you're good and you don't uh, uh, get withheld from healing because you're bad. It's just uh, sometimes you got to deal with things. Amen. We've gone through all, this, all the examples in the Gospels where sin was involved and they got uh, forgiven and then they got healed. Amen. And so, you know, some people will say, well, I can't get healed because I'm in sin. Well, dummy, just repent. And then you get healed, right? I mean, what, is it, I, I never have understood, well, uh, you know, I'm sin. I'm, I've got to be sick because I'm in sin. Well, dummy, just get healed. I mean, get uh, forgiven first and then get healed. Amen. Uh, sometimes we're really slow. Amen. Uh, but the Lord is good. Amen. And, uh, you know, those are good stories. You know, the, uh, all those stories help us. Amen. Uh, and, um, you know, I told you about my brother passing and, uh, I'm the youngest of 11. And one of the great advantages that I've had as being the youngest is I get to watch all the other stupid mistakes that people do. Right. And I can learn from those without having to make my own stupid mistakes. Amen. I, you know, I remember, uh, as a young child, you know, seeing my parents smoking and I remember as a kid, I thinking, you know, that's just really dumb. I mean, it smells bad. You know, you, you cough all the time and it's expensive and, and I just made a note to myself as a kid. You know, I wasn't born again. I thought, I'm not going to ever do that, you know. And my mother was an alcoholic, and I thought, yep, I ain't ever helping nobody. So I didn't do that, you know. I tried to cuss when I was 12 for a little while. I failed at that, too, you know. So 
I, all I had left to do was to get born again, and, you know, I still wasn't going to go to heaven. It just, uh, uh, I just uh, made a note, you know, so I can learn from A.A. Allen, you know, his mistakes and not do those. Amen. I can learn from Jack Cole, not make those mistakes. Amen. Note to self, don't do that, right? Uh, I can learn from Brother Hagen, his mistakes. So, you know, you don't, people, I'm from the school of hard knocks, you know. I'm from the school of everybody else's hard knocks. That's a way better school to be from, amen. Uh, and so, uh, praise God. Well, we, we thank Brother Randy for coming today, amen. Uh, and imparting into the church ministry here, and um, um, we'll get ready to receive an, uh, an offering. And of course, all of the um, all of the messages are available online, right? Uh, we've got you can go to our Facebook page and watch them. You can go to our, our website page and watch them, and you can uh, listen to the podcast. And if you're old school, we've got CDs. You can order a CD there. If you're really old school and want a cassette tape, you just have to go to the Smithsonian and get that. We don't do that anymore, but uh, but all that stuff's available if, if you want any of that. Uh, Jared said that uh, this morning's service uh, is called the Beatitudes, the abridged version, all right? And so if you want the entire Beatitudes message in one service, you get this morning's service, you know, and if you want uh, the complete, you know, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica version, come back to church on Sunday mornings for the next six or seven years, and we'll get uh, through all of those, at amen? Uh, and so, uh, and of course, everything we receive today and today's offering will go towards the ministry of Brother Randall Greer. Amen. If you make a check out to the church, it's fine. Uh, we'll write him one check. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. We thank you for your blessings and increase. Father, we thank that you've prospered us. And, Father, it's such a small thing. You said in your word, it's a small thing, Father, for us to give our natural things, uh, having received things of the Spirit. And so, Father, it's not an exchange, but we do it out of gladness and joy. We thank you, Father, that your word is so, and that uh, as we give, Father, you said, but my God shall supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're faithful to watch over us and protect us and care for us, Father. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and uh, receive the offering there. And, um, of course, uh, uh, Brother uh, Randy will be heading east up to uh, the Smoky Mountains to do his uh, uh, conference. He does a Gatlinburg conference twice a year. Uh, it's uh, uh, called Contending Faith uh, Bible Conference now, uh, and um, that's the scripture that the Lord had given to him because, you know, there is a fight of faith. We have to contend for the faith, right? Uh, and uh, it, it's so, there's such an attack against faith, you know, uh, and even, even though we're not the largest church in the world, but, you know, people, uh, they don't like people of faith, you know, a lot of times, you know, and uh, people don't like people of faith. It makes them uncomfortable. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not trying to make anybody uncomfortable, but, you know, I don't really mind when I make a few people uncomfortable that don't believe, you know, and, and so, uh, but that'll be, uh, uh, he'll start Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. and be Tuesday evening, Wednesday in the morning and Wednesday evening, and then uh, Thursday morning and Thursday evening as well. And if you need details about that, you can let us know. Amen. All right. Praise God. All hearts and minds clear. Amen. Uh, so we appreciate y'all being out here. Be sure to greet uh, Brother Randall and Miss Patty before they head out. And uh, we'll see you all later.